Lindsay Lohan, from child star to train wreck. And behind her every step of the way, mum, Dina. And I'm certainly being scrutinised by you people. TMZ reports that Lindsay Lohan was involved in quite the fight with her mother, Dina Lohan, early this morning. And really, you know, her mom shouldn't be out there partying with her and, and clubbing with her into the wee hours of the morning. And she should just be her mother. That's that's her job. You know, after partying until dawn the other night, Lindsay Lohan and her mom, Dina, got into a fight over money. Lindsay frantically called her dad, Michael, of all people, for help. And then he gave a recording of this call to the fine folks at TMZ. 51-year-old Michael Lohan. That's him in the hospital gown, being placed under arrest. Dina reportedly wants Lindsay to ask a judge for a protection order, preventing her dad from having any contact with her at all. And, oh, and you boy. wonder why the girl is like out of her mind, exactly. uh, The sign, the category, top 10 signs, Lindsay Lohan is out of control. Oh, how many, oh. How many times have we done this list? I know. It's, it's very unfortunate that Lindsay does not have a support system. Did you get your rock? How many got your rock? Hold it up for me. All right, now, find somebody that you really don't like. I know it's not going to be me. No. I'm just kidding. In a few moments, I want you to just hold on to that rock, okay, as much as you can. And um, in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to name this rock. How many of you new to the church, you're officially freaked out right now? You're like, what is this place that I got myself? Just, it'll make sense when I say it. So just hold on to the rock, um, and, and we'll get to that in a moment. I can't hold on to it. i got to preach, so I, we'll get there in a moment. First uh, Samuel chapter 2, we're talking um, about a family in the Bible that, rep- that, that really kind of correlates with the Lohan family. I feel bad for the Lohan. I, I didn't, we didn't put that video together to make or mock, make a mockery of the low hands. I feel bad for people like that. You know, th- that they, but they are, they are, I think they are just the, the, the um, poster children, if you will, of everything wrong with our culture. And, and, and they are not to blame. I don't think that they're totally to blame. I think everybody, obviously everybody's responsible for their actions. But I think that they are, what they are is a product of the systemic problem in America right now. You know, this, this poor girl, she's raised to be a star. You know, one of my, I'm, I'm not going to be ashamed to admit it, one of my favorite movies is The Parent Trap. That takes a, a real man to stand in front of a crowd and say that. But it is one of my favorite movies. I tear up every time. And I love that movie. And I just, you know, she was so young, so innocent. And then you just see this train wreck of a life. And it's just so sad. And I think about it, if that was my daughter, and I have, a, I have an 11-year-old daughter, I thought, man, I would be heartbroken if that was my family, that was my daughter. And I think that God's heart breaks for people like her. And I think it's a, it's a travesty when we, when we just like think about how awful they are because I don't think that it's all them. I think that there's a problem with our country. I think that there's a lot of good in our country, but there's a lot of bad. And we are seeing in our country this, this loss of family, this, this loss of valuing uh, family, 
the traditional American family. It's also the traditional Bible family, you know, that, that, that husbands and wives together forever staying committed to each other in spite of their obstacles. And, and then parents leading their children. That's missing right now in America. Huge hole in our society. Amen, somebody? Just not happening. We see children leading parents now. Children dictating the family. And then we see, uh, this one really aggravates me as a father, total disregard for authority in the home. There, there is an authority in the home God has put in place. Husbands, head of the home, men of God, uh, wives submitting to the husbands as the head of the home. Some of you, that, sir, that word submit just freaks you out. It's because you don't understand what that word is all about. But it's, it's the God-ordained order of the home, husbands and then wives, and then children honoring and obeying their parents. And now, you only obey until a certain age. I get that. But then you, but you perpetually honor your parents. You never stop. Even after, even after they're dead and gone, you never stop living for the honor of your parents. They brought you into this world. They conceived you. They cared for you. They changed you. I mean, right there, they touched your poopy, you know, right there. They deserve a lifelong honor for what they did for you. And, and we see this breakdown. And you know who's paying the price? People like the Lohans. People like Lindsay. You know, I don't blame her all, totally because her parents are a wreck. They're a wreck. And, and, and I heard a couple of People, you know, kind of diagnose the situation with their family. One doctor says um, she's ne- she has the mentality of a child because she's never been taught any values, any values or coping skills by her parents. And, and, and man, that's a breakdown of the family. And then another one said she's out in the world with no anchors. She has no anchors. They're, her parents are money hungry. Her parents are fame hungry. And they leverage that poor little girl for, for their own benefit. What a, what a, like I said, poster children for the breakdown of everything that's wrong with the family in America. And, and we should pray for them and, and we should hope God gets a hold of them because there's no one that's beyond the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about them. They're, they're just open. They're just, you know, kind of uh, pricking our interest tonight because here's, here's what the fail is, Okay. Here's what the fail is tonight that we're going to talk about. Epic fail number three. We talked about two so far. Number three, a failure to honor God. A failure to honor God. And we're going to look at a family in the Bible that I think is just like the Lohans. Just like them. In 1 Samuel Chapter 2, the family's name is uh, Eli, Eli's family. Eli was a, a priest of God, and his job was to represent man to God, God to man. To serve in the temple, to bring sacrifices from the people to God. That was how God set it up. The Levites, were there was a family of Levites who were made priests, and they were to go and serve in the temple, organize the worship, organize the offerings, receive the goats, the bulls, and all those things from the people, and then offer them to God as an intermediary. Now, in the new covenant, Jesus Christ is our final priest. He's our final high priest. 
And through Christ, we are all priests of God. But we're talking about the Old Testament now. And so in that context, this family, Eli's family, was a very prestigious family. You could say they were in the limelight. You could say they were in the celebrity spotlight, the God celebrity spotlight, because they were in charge of the most hallowed ground in all Israel, the temple, where everybody went to worship at least, at least uh, three times a year and offer sacrifices. And so this family was prominent. Everybody knew about them. And we know everybody knows about them because uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2 tells us about them. Here's what it says in verse 12 of 1 Samuel chapter 2, and, and I hate what it says, but here's what it says. Now the sons of Levi, or Le- Eli, the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Yikes. Like, how would you like that to be your epitaph? The sons of Tim were worthless men. Wow. Why? Here's why. Verse 13. The custom of the priests with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand, and he would thrust it into the pan or kennel or cauldron or pot, and all that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. So it was kind of like this potluck. They would bring the offering, put it in the boiling pan, stick a three-pronged fork in it, and bring up the, whatever the first portion was, that went to the priests. And that's, that's, by the way, how the Old Testament supported the priests. They, were, they received a portion of the offerings of the people of Israel. And that was the custom. It says it right there. This was what they did at Shiloh uh, to all the Israelites who came there. More, moreover, it says, before the fat was burned... Uh, the priest servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And if the man said to him, let, the, let them burn the fat first and then take as much as you wish, he would say, no, you must give it now. And if not, I will take it by force. Thus, the sin of the young men, these are Eli's sons, the sin of the young men was very great. Somebody say very great. And it was very great in the sight of the Lord. For the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Now, I, I know this sounds confusing. It's a lot of Old Testament ritual and sacrifices. But let me just break it down for you. Number one, they were priests meant to serve the interests of the people and represent the people to God. And it was a hallowed responsibility. It's a hallowed responsibility to help the, to lead God's people pastoring, uh, being on staff at a church is much the same today. And they were totally disregarding their calling. And what they would do is they would demand from every offering the fat portions, the fat, the, the best of the best. Now, we, we know this as Americans. It's getting a grilling season. Amen, somebody. How many of you just, you, you love a little gristle on your grill? You know it's bad for you. You know you shouldn't eat it, but you eat it. How many of you do that little proportionate thing, like you make sure that you get a little bit of fat with the meat every bite? You know what I'm talking about? Am I talking to anybody? All the men? Yeah, I know. I'm talking to the people who are large. Amen. I mean, it's not good for us, but we like, we like that fat. Now, <laughs> the problem with this is it's not that God had a problem with them eating fat. It's that, a, it's that God had a problem with them eating his fat. The best of those offerings, these were the people's offerings. 
And the best of the best was supposed to go to God. And instead of giving what honest, sincere worshipers wanted to give to God, they would rip it out of their hands if necessary. And they would take the fat, they'd put it in their little whatever, on their plate or whatever, in their freezer. (laughs) And then they would offer God whatever they didn't want. They gave God the leftovers. And this sin, the Bible says, it was very great in the eyes of the Lord. And the, and the, and the priests of God were, were making the service of the temple uh, an unholy, unsanctified thing. And, and not only that, but we find out later in the passage, in the, in the chapter, I'm not going to read it all for you, but we find out that they're not just, they're not just taking what, God, what, what belongs to God in the offerings. They're also sleeping with the girls who serve in the temple. The, these guys are corrupt. So God sends somebody. Because when there's corruption in the house, God can't let that stay there. And he sends somebody to rebuke them. And the funny thing about it is that God does not send somebody to Eli's sons. He doesn't, se- he doesn't send his prophet to these guys sleeping with the girls in the temple and taking the best of the best offerings. Do you know who God sends his man to? He sends his man, his prophet, to Eli, the father of these sons. And here's what happens in verse 27, Sam, uh, 1 Samuel 2. It says, And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, subject to the house of Pharaoh? Didn't I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest? to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me. I gave the house of your father all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel. What's God saying? He's saying, didn't I do something significant with your family a few hundred years ago? Didn't I raise up while you, your people were in Egypt in slavery? Didn't I raise up a guy, and he didn't mention him, but his name is Moses and Aaron? Don't you remember your great-great-great-grandfather? How he served me, how he honored me, how he held me in high respect. And because of that, I used him greatly. I honored him. I gave him privilege and responsibility and capabilities and leadership and, 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 and power and authority. I mean, Moses did some impressive things. And, and so God's kind of given Eli a little reminder didn't I, didn't I do all of this? Aren't you the result of somebody choosing to honor me? And then he gets serious. Verse 29. Why then do you scorn my offerings and my sacrifices that I commanded from my dwelling and honor your sons above me? I just want to... Stop there. We can put that verse on the screen, verse 29. It says, when, why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded from my dwelling and honor your sons above me? What a pointed question. Why do you, God is asking Eli, why do you put your sons before me? And the word that he uses is a very rich word. It's honor. 
The Hebrew word is kavod. Kavod. Hebrew word for honor here is it means to be heavy, to be weighty. That we think honor is standing for the Pledge of Allegiance, putting our hearts on our, our hands on our hearts and saying it. Or, or, or we think honor is obedience. That's, a, that's, not, that's not honor. Honor, uh, obedience is a byproduct of honor. Now, that we will honor, we will obey God to the extent that we honor him, to the extent that God is weighty in our lives. And here's what he says in verse 30. Look what it says. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel declares, I promise that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. In other words, I promised you prestige. I promised you position. I promised you authority forever. But now the Lord declares, based on what you have done, he says, far be it from me. And these are these incredibly rich words. I love them. He says, for those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Can we just say that together? Let's say those words. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Again, here's what God's saying. Those who consider me weighty and heavy in their lives. Those are the ones that I'm going to make heavy and weighty in their, in their communities and in their lives and in their families. I don't know about you, but I want God's honor over my life. How, how many are with me? I, I want God's honor over my family. I, I want, I, you know, some of us are so short-sighted. We just want a good day. We just want a good week. Oh, God, please just let this be a good week. I, you know, weeks come and go, right? Days come and go. I want a legacy of God's favor and honor over my life. And there's a way to get it. There's a way to get it that God clearly outlines. He says, this is what you got to do. You got to make sure that I, the Lord God, Get the most weight in your life. There's a question in your notes, I think it's there. It says, who gets the most blank in your life? I want, to, I want you to fill them in the blank. Who gets the most weight in your life? And this is where the rocks come in. I want you to take out that rock. Don't drop it. I want you to look at it, and I want you to ask yourself. This, this is about as big as we wanted to give you tonight. Just, just imagine that it's very weighty, okay? <laughs> I want you to name this rock with the person or the thing or the desire of your life that you have replaced God with and you've given the most weight to. Wh who's got the most weight in your life? Three, three more questions, okay? Because this is going to help you name the rock. Okay, I, just, I just want you to answer these questions. Number one question, whose opinion of you affects you the most? Who, who do you just die to please? 
Uh, number th- two question, whose word, whose advice do you trust the most? Like when, when something happens and you don't like it and you don't know what to do, who do you call first? That's the name that should be on that rock. And number three, who can't you imagine letting down? Who don't you want to disappoint? Some of you, it's your dad. And it's not a bad thing to honor your dad. But it's a bad thing to honor your dad above God. And some of you, it's your job. You just want that job to go so well. And you will compromise your principles with Scripture to make sure that you go forward in your job. And, and there's nothing wrong with working hard. And there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. And I pray that you do. But there's something wrong when you make that idol of money number one before your God. Can I get personal? Two people said yes, that's enough. (laughs) Some of you, your boyfriend and girlfriend are on this rock right now. You're not even married to them. And you're compromising your principles to make them happy. What are you doing? What are you doing? God is looking for a, a chance to honor you. And you're just... Checking out, you're like, no, I want to honor them. I want them to have the, the good opinion of me. And, and you say, well, well, we'll get married someday, and then we'll be doing things right. What? Right. If you compromise now, you'll compromise then. And, and guess what? I got news for all you single people. Marriage doesn't make it easier. <laughs> it makes it harder. Oh, man, let me tell you something. Whatever problems you have while you're dating, when you get married, times 10. (laughs) Amen, somebody? Marry people? Because you got to wake up with them. You got to do life with them. Now you got to have a joint checking account. That's enough to send anybody into the pit of despair. And and you got to learn. You got, I want you to name the rock. I want you to name the rock because I want you to, at some point in this message, at some point in this message, I want you to symbolically drop the rock. That's what it's for. Now let me talk about after marriage. Because some of you, your spouse should be on that rock. So I thought I was supposed to have them there first in my life. Nope, they're second. They're second. They're not first. Where did you get that? You didn't read the Bible. You might have listened to Oprah. (laughs) And there are men who are not being men. Because you can't imagine letting down your wife. Like she being mad at you is your greatest fear. And you get scared when she comes home after shopping. You're like, did I leave something on the table? Did I do something? I don't know. Kids, clean up for me. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Right? You're making your spouse your God. And spouses are wonderful companions, but they are horrible lords. 
I'm, I'm going to release some of you this weekend, seriously, so that you can start saying, before God, I'm good. I'm good. And, 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 and if my honor to God upsets you, I'm good. Don't get me wrong now. Don't get me wrong. You should be pleasing your spouse. Okay? Don't you ladies use this message as an excuse not to give sex because you serve in the Lord. I know there's some ladies right now. You're writing this down. That's not what I'm saying. The Bible even says don't deprive each other. Read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. But what I am saying is this, that if your, if your, uh, if your first and primary concern is obey God, obey them before obey God and you're not willing to upset them in your service to God, something's got to change. Point number one, gauge your honor. That's what we're doing right now. Gauge who you are putting in the place of God. God, God is surprised with Lee, Eli. He's surprised. Look at the question. the question. Why do you do it? Why do you honor your sons above me? This is crazy, Eli. Don't you remember the, the cloth from which you are cut? You are a descendant of Moses. Don't you remember how I talked to Moses face to face like a friend? He was my, he was my friend. And, 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 and I blessed him and I gave him authority and I gave him honor and I gave him power. And here you are lightly esteeming me. Isn't it funny how um, the longer we are in Christ, and this is not everybody, but the longer we are in Christ, sometimes the less we honor him. It's like when we got saved, we, we would never miss church. We were front row people. We, we, were, we were a pain in the neck to the pastor. Right? And, and we were telling everybody about God. We were telling everybody about Jesus. We were fired up for Jesus, man. And then something happened. We didn't even notice it happening, but it just took a little bit of time. It usually takes about three years. And we just got complacent. And God just became ordinary. And church just became a ritual. And worshiping him became a duty instead of a free will offering. I want that to change. I want that never to be the case for you. And sometimes we need a message like this. We need a message. We need a weekend just like this where the pastor lovingly and kindly says, get back to your first love. Get back to God being first in your life. That you won't miss church. Wild horses couldn't keep you away. You're so excited to be saved. You can't stop telling somebody about it. I want that for you. I want that for Waters Church. I want people to say, those Waters Church people, I don't think I agree with them, but man, do they really love their Jesus. I want that to be our story. Here's what Isaiah says. He says, for thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who formed the earth and who made it. I am the Lord. And apart from me, there is no other. We get too comfortable with God. 
Jesus is not your homeboy. <laughs> we do that with Jesus. He's my friend. He's my buddy. He's my personal savior. It's like, hey, first off, he's not a computer. And he's not a, the Bible never even says he's our friend. Okay? He says, I, you are my friends if you do what I command. And, 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 and this idea of belittling Jesus and, and, and kind of whittling him down from who he really is, man, that's not the Bible. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation is constantly telling us how great Jesus is. That you look in the book of, of, of Hebrews, um, just Hebrews chapter 1, I just, I just got to read it to you. It's not even in my notes. I just got to go there because I just love this passage um, in, in Hebrews chapter 1. Here's what it says about Jesus. He is, he is the radiance of the glory of God. <sighs> That's Jesus. He, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is not a sub-God. He is God. And it says, and he, Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of his power. Does that mean something to you? Doesn't that, doesn't that kind of resonate with you? Are, you? are you checking in with this? Like he is not best friend buddy Jesus. He is not homeboy Jesus. He is not my little personal Jesus. He is savior Jesus. He is king Jesus. He is first and the last Jesus. He is alpha and omega Jesus. He's everything Jesus. That was a terrible response. Only three third, a third of you were clapping. We got to make a big deal about Jesus again. He's got he's to be the one who holds the weight in our lives because it slips. And nobody is immune to it. I'm not immune to it. I'm not immune to it. I'll, I'll go a day without praying, two days without praying, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've forgotten. He's first. He's got to be first. Check, gauge your Honor. Bible says this in Isaiah 58, verse 13. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Let me just prick you a little bit more. Because I'm warmed up now. <laughs> we will reschedule our entire weekend for the Patriots game. But we won't do it for church. We'll, can't, we'll, we'll skip church for anything. Yo, my second cousin twice removed has a birthday party. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't come to church today. <laughs> Something's wrong. <laughs> Something's wrong there. But you will never miss a game. Why? It's because the, the New England Patriots are on that rock. And again, I, I love the Patriots. Hey, I do their chapels. I love them. I know some of them. But I'm telling you something. I lay it down with them too. I'm saying, listen, I'm not in awe of you guys. I'm in awe of Jesus Christ, only Jesus. And may, may I never lose that. May I never lose that. So that, listen, so that nobody impresses me. Nobody impresses I don't need to, I don't need to be close to anybody. I'm already close to God. I'm already close to Jesus. It says in Psalm 50, verse 23, it's the praising life that honors me. 
How about this? Real practical. Don't be late for church. Real practical. Like we'll, get, we'll get to work on time. We'll get to the party on time. But how about church? We're coming to worship God. We're coming to love Jesus. And the worship is not the pregame show. It's not the warm-up act. It's our chance to just like, and this is what I love about worship. It's our chance to stop talking about everything in the world and all the marathon bombings and the kids and the New York City and maybe they would have gotten more and all this stress in my life and all these things that the world is just throwing at me and it just say, stop, enough is enough. I'm worshiping Jesus now. I'm worshiping God now. This is my time to break out of this world, break out of this, this culture of fear and, and consternation and to say, I am the Lord's. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Number two, point number two, decide to honor. I'm going to be real frank with you. It's not a feeling sometimes. You might not feel it, but you still got to do it. And and I'm not going to promise you that if you do it, then you'll eventually feel it. You may never feel it. But isn't it funny how we Americans, with all of our hyper-emotionalism, Um, how often the Bible commands us to do something that we think we need to feel first. The Bible commands us to do something that God, that we often think we should feel first. God's not concerned about your feelings sometimes. You, You need to know this. If I preached only when I felt it, oh Lord, I'd preach like a half a sermon. A weekend, if that. You know, if I, if I worshiped when I felt like it, here's what it says in the Bible. Love the Lord. What's the greatest commandment of the Bible? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. It's the commandment. It's, it's not feel it. It's a command. Isn't it funny? We think of love as this feeling emotional thing. Ooh, the music is just right. Right? I just feel it now. I feel it. Okay. Your worship team, you almost got me there. You almost got me there. You almost got me there. Okay, now. Now I'm going to worship God. What? It's not a feeling. It's a commandment. It's just do it. Even if you don't feel it, do it. 1 Peter 3.15, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. I love that verse because you know what it's saying? Don't let your heart tell you what to do. You tell your heart what to do. Don't let your heart lead you. The Bible says the heart is deceptive and desperately sick. You can't let your heart guide your feelings and your emotions. God has to come first. And some of you, boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, whatever, children, friends, they're on this rock. And and, and here's... Here's why you're, you're obsessed with what they think of you. I love what Craig Rochelle says. Craig Rochelle says, becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks of you. Just to forget, oh my gosh. I belong to God, not to them. They aren't my Lord. They aren't my Savior. They aren't my soon-coming King. They're just people. I feel bad for some of you because here's some of you. You, got, you don't got one rock. You got like Six. 
You know what I'm talking about? And, and it's like you got all these people and you're kind of trying to juggle them. And so, ooh, 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 I got to give them time. Ooh, oh, oh, my God. Oh, I let them slip. Ah! Oh! get them cracking, you know. And then you're just, you're just juggling, constantly juggling, trying to make sure that you can, ah, oh, I don't know if I can be. So, I don't know if there's going to be. You know, you're juggling. That was pretty good. I didn't even know I could do that. Anointing is strong tonight. Um, no. I practiced all week. Um, you know what I have? You know what my struggle is? I told you last week I was flawed. My struggle is that I don't got, I don't got six rocks. I got 800 rocks. And, and many times, many times the devil comes, every time, every week, he comes and says, you're not going to do it today, this week. Mm-mm. You didn't prepare enough. You didn't pray enough. God is not happy with you. You spoke harshly to your children. You spoke harshly to your wife. Now you're going to get up there and that's and I and, and, then, and then he says, and they're not going to like it. And every week I got to just, I got to take all 800 rocks. I hate to do this to you every week, but I got to do it. <laughs> all 800 rocks, I got to say goodbye. <laughs> you are not, you are not my lords and my saviors. You, you are the people entrusted not to me, but more so to God, and I am responsible to him. At the end of the day, my preaching, I, I thank you for your amens, but I really want God to say amen. And, 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 and this is what I'm talking about, man. Just stop being so worried about what everybody else thinks. Number three, point number three, this is the best part of the sermon. God will honor back. You get this right? You, get the, you drop these rocks? Or, or you put Jesus on the rock? God's going to do some good things in your life. God's going to do some great things. Um, he says, those who honor me, I will honor. Now, you may not like to hear this, but this is true. God blesses us on his terms. Amen, somebody. It is, you do not twist God's arm. Neither do I. And some of you, you want to twist God's arm. Bless it. I know I'm doing wrong, but bless it. I, I know I'm not right, but bless it. And, and God's like, what are you talking about? You have not obviously read the contract. <laughs> Amen? It's signed with my son's blood. I take it kind of seriously. And you just take it flippantly. You're just like, well, I'll do whatever I want, man, man. I don't want to do that right now. And you want God to bless you? Some of you got to stop coming to prayer for God to help you because you're not even doing what God told you to do. And all the prayer in the world, I'm all for prayer. It's not going to help you. Do what he says, and it will go well with you. Um, man, I got so much to say. Mark 6, this is when Jesus goes back to his hometown. And he goes back to his hometown, and he preaches to them, and the Bible says that they start despising him. They start saying, who is this? this? Oh, this is Jesus. He's, you know, his sisters and brothers are here with us. His mother's Mary, the carpenter's son. They start belittling Jesus. They start treating Jesus as common. 
And here's what Jesus says. Jesus said to them, Mark 6, verse 4, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own household. In other words, you're not honoring me. And he, listen to this verse, And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid on his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He could do no mighty work. Why? This is, this is the Son of God. And he couldn't do anything for them. Because why? They didn't honor him. Let me tell you something. This is why America sees no miracles. This is why our churches are void of miraculous healings and deliverances and, 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 and miraculous stories. Do you know why? Because we don't honor God. That's it. And we want to sit there and say, well, as soon as he shows up, I'll believe in him. What? That's not how it works, friend. Jesus said, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none shall be given it. We ought, when, but but here's, here's the great news. When we honor him, something starts to happen. Lives get put back together again. Marriages get healed. People get delivered from cancer and, 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 and oppression and, and depression and all these problems that we got all these medications for. And I think that we are going sometimes so much overboard to all the answers the world can give us, we forget that we got the answer in Jesus. By his stripes, we are healed. And if we just, we just start honoring him, we just start honoring him in our church, wow, what could God do? So three practical ways that I think you've got to honor God, and I tell this to you all the time, but honor God with your money. And I say this all the time. You know me. i got no problem talking to you about tithing. And the reason why is because I know what God does when you show up with the tithe. It says right here in verse 9 of Proverbs 3, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And money is a huge idol in our lives. It's a huge issue in America. Richest nation on the world and we are still not happy. Need more money. No, you don't. You need to honor God with what you got. And faithful with little, entrusted with much. Secondly, honor his word. Honor his word. Are you doing what he told you to do? Are you doing what he's saying right now? Are you stepping out of the bounds of his scriptures? Man, repent, confess, make right, and start doing the thing that you should be doing. Uh, Proverbs 13, 13, whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres or honors the commandment will be rewarded. Uh, and number three, and this is very important now, honor his church. Honor his Church. I thought about this last night. I couldn't sleep, and, and God just kind of impressed on me, and he said, you know, you're telling them to honor me tomorrow, and that's great, but you need to remember what my word calls the church. And I was thinking to myself, what does the word call the church? What? Oh, yeah, the word calls this place, the church, the body of Christ. All right? Do you understand what that, that means? Is that I want to honor Christ, but I got no honor for the church. It's like you're spiritually, you're spiritually dyslexic. You got no clue what this is about. 
It's, it's how, how can you love Jesus and hate his body? How, how can you love Jesus and hate his bride? Like if you came up to me and said, hey, Pastor Tim, I really like you. I really like you. You're a cool man. I like this church. I like you. But I hate your wife. Where's that rock? Let me show you what I'm going to do with you right now. Right? How dare you speak against my wife? And, and, and there's something missing here in, in, in the kingdom of God in America. We will run from church to church to church to church to church. And we will not listen to our leaders. And we will not submit to people who are placing authority over us. And we will badmouth other Christians. What are we doing? Man, it's the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. And here's what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Well, what if we did that? What if we just did that? What if in our small groups we just, this week, we just said, I'm going to honor somebody. I'm going to encourage somebody. Instead of going there expecting somebody else to do it for you, what if you did it for them? And what if we showed up in this church every weekend on time, excited, and, 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 and just ready to burst and praise God because he is King Jesus and we honored him. I'm telling you, the sky's the limit because those who honor him, he will honor.